party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week on the show, I'm joined by Chris Farnell for a game of The Long Dark Space Between the Stars by Reed Hinkley Barnes. The Long Dark Space Between the Stars is a one-shot, melancholy, sci-fi thriller role-playing game for two players. It is about a single traveler trapped in a hyperspace journey gone wrong, trying to fight against the vacuum of space and trying to decide what they are willing to sacrifice to get themselves home safely, their mind, their body, or their ship. It is inspired by stories like Alien, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Interstellar, and The Expanse. As a game, it is intense and tragic and pulse-pounding. I adored playing it. I'm so glad we got to play it on the show. I think you're going to really love listening to it. You can find more information about the long, dark space between the stars at readhb, that's read-hb.itch.io, or you can check the show notes for more information. Chris is the author of Fermi's Progress, a four-part novel series about the adventures of the Fermi, Earth's first and last faster-than-light-capable starship. The reason it's last is because its engines tend to destroy entire planets and solar systems, and no one quite knows how to turn that off. Fermi's crew, the last surviving members of the human race, now find themselves bouncing around the galaxy, experiencing new wonders, new dangers, and trying to keep their wits about them as they pilot this doomed spaceship from place to place. You can find more information about the Fermi's Progress series, as well as all of Chris's other work at chrisfarnell.com, or like I said, you can check the show notes for more information. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. I am so excited this week. I am sitting down with Chris Farnell. Chris, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. I am excited to be playing this game. I'm excited to get weird and sad and intense and scary in space. Uh, This is going to be a great episode. This is going to be a really fun game. But before we dive into all of that, why don't you take a moment and let our lovely listeners at home know about anything you've got going on that you might want them to know about? Cheers. Um, yeah, I've just brought out the paperback omnibus edition of my novel Fermi's Progress, which is about Earth's first and last faster-than-light spacecraft. The last because it blows up every planet in its wake. And it's four stories about four different alien worlds, each of which end up exploding. That's great. What like like immediate like I I I've heard a lot of people's pitches. I've heard a lot of pro a lot of people talk about a lot of projects, and I appreciate when in a, in a few scant sentences I can go from I can go from zero to uh, this is delightful, and I, I want to know everything about it. Like, I appreciate a good a good elevator pitch that hooks me in, quite frankly. It's really, I just love the sort of old Planet of the Week style storytelling in sci-fi, and it's just a good engine for having stories that have that sort of elevator hook, and you can go to the world, you can explore the world, and then when you're finished, you can just clean it away neatly. When what cleaner way and what cle- what what cleaner way to wrap things up than just blow up the entire planet? It's a nice it's a nice little ending touch. I appreciate it. Exactly. And so speaking of games set in space where everything might end with uh, blowing up horribly, uh, this week we are playing The Long Dark Space Between the Stars, which is a sci-fi RPG for two players by Reed Hinkley Barnes. Um, this is a game inspired by stories like 2001: A Space Odyssey, Alien, The Expanse. It is a game about a lone person on a spaceship trying to make sure that everything does not go catastrophically wrong. I should not be more excited. I will read through the opening crawl pitch, uh, and then we're going to do some world building, and we're going to talk through a little bit of 
like what we want to bring into the game, sort of our our vibes, and then we will create a character and we'll and we'll dive in. Brilliant. Something has gone wrong on your ship. Something that has woken you up from your cryopod that should have held you in stasis all the way through your hyperspace journey. There are a few reasons for the cryopods. One, they make the journey feel shorter. Even with hyperspace, the difference between stars can take years to cover. But even more importantly than that, hyperspace does things to your brain. The longer outside of the cryopod, the less of you exists. Names, faces, the people you love all start to drift away into the swirling purple-black light of hyperspace. But that's not all. It's not just the vibrations in the back of your skull that you swear is the feeling of a leaky faucet of memory dripping away. There's the more immediate danger. Moving around a spaceship is not easy, and when you're faced with obstacles, your body is bound to be at risk as well. And then there's the ship, which is itself is in danger. That's the reason you're awake in the first place. And if the ship fails, there's a chance you might be able to escape, but your crew, locked in their cryopods, they'll be destroyed along with it. So you have to decide. If you fix the ship, your body and your mind are in danger. If you do something physical, that means neglecting the ship and letting your mind disappear. If you use your mind trying to hold on to the memories you have left, that means your body and the ship are open to damage. So which will you save? And more importantly... Which will you sacrifice? Right. Great pitch. I'm, I'm excited. All right. So that's the vibe. That's the vibe that we're bringing in. And uh, what we're going to do uh, at the very start is we're going to like lay out our ship and talk a little bit about um, what I'd like to also talk about is what what kinds of moods, vibes, uh, influences we want to bring in around that pitch to to kind of narrow in the sort of story that we want to tell. Brilliant. So I'm I might throw that to you immediately and say like with that's that's the premise. Are there particular points of influence or vibes tones that you are that you are really really uh jiving to get at? Like what's where where are you at uh, at this moment hearing that pitch? I mean I think. It's- People dying horribly in space, alien, is always going to be part of the mix. There's no getting away from it. But also, I like space stories where there's a lot of mad improvisation and that sort of Martian, like Apollo 13, sellotaping things together to mm-hmm. make them work kind of solutions. That that fits really nicely with where I was at. And I think like... Tonally, I think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing that I think is pretty close to both of those points of inspiration because I think tonally the thing that really like floats out at me. Obviously, I want to lean into the, really the drama of you know sacrifice and all that, but the thing that I keep coming back to is I was thinking about I was thinking about a lot of the stuff that is on the inspirations list. You know, two, there's there's a lot of this in 2001. Alien, like you said, is a big point of this. I, I think I would like not necessarily I'm trying to find the, the 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 right words for it, but not necessarily like outright comedy, but like a satirical edge of capitalism is the real villain. Like, I feel like stories in space where the problem is that is that the spaceship was built in a world like it's a thing that I love about Alien, where the problem is ultimately that a shitty corporation didn't follow safety protocols. And I think that's the vibe that I really want to like lean into, at least in a minor capacity. I think that's a good, that's a good terror on the edges is no matter like, no matter what actual horror is lurking around the corner, there's an equally valid problem that just 
we are at the whim of corporate overlords that do not care that do not care if we live or die. Absolutely, I th- I always love stories where what if the people who owned your water, electricity, and housing also owned the air you breathe? Mm-hmm. And I think making making that like extremely explicit on a spaceship is absolutely miserable and horrifying and irresistible. Yeah, I that does kind of I was thinking looking at the game you know about you know what the ship could be and what it might be and one thing that occurred to me as a possibility that fits into that is an ambulance maybe mm. that's something we don't really see spaceships do much of but i love that i i am immediately hooked into that Let's let's use that as our segue to jump into our world building questions, which if you are in the book is on page 10. Um, we have a list of questions that we are going to go back and forth answering. You are going to answer the first question. I'm going to answer the last question. And we are going to talk through um, a little bit of like what the scenario is when you wake up. Brilliant. So for the first question, what is your name? Um, I'm going to go with Chad Terrence. Chat, great name. Immediately, uh, just a good sci-fi name. What is the name of the ship and its purpose? The name of the ship is, um, let's go with, let's go with, I, I, I'm going with ambulance and let's go with it. Let's call it the Nightingale and we'll call it an ambulance. I like the idea. Yeah, ambulance is great. And I've, I picture um, very specifically, if this is... Let's lean into a, an immediate opportunity to to lean into the into the the vibes in a big way. This is a and I say this a little bit eye rollingly. This is an era of exploration, right? There are hmm. there are explorer ships, right? Like this is a, a space. This is space as space as age of sail, right? So there are big yeah. honking galleon ships and. That means that there are shipwrecks, and that means that there is a there are ships that whose role it is to go into space and grab the people on those shipwrecks to make sure that they can get back to stations or, you know, or colonies or like get get them back to a place where they can get treated and they can they can recover. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, hyperspace doesn't necessarily have to be the rule. It's just sometimes the stakes are high enough that you need to go into that environment. So medical emergency, someone being super rich, that kind of thing. Absolutely. 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 So um, what is your role on the ship? Um, I think, um, I think I'm Chad is in like a sort of orderly role. I was like the sort of the person with the worst job on the spaceship. So I think he's he's not like one of the paramedics or like the flight crew. I think he's just sort of dog's body who has jobs that they can get technical, but also there's an instruction manual, manual or a tablet with a flowchart on it for every single other job. So he mostly just sort of fills in the jobs that the actual experts and skilled people, inverted commas, don't need. I love that. I really love that. Um, how many other crew members are there and what are their names? Um, I think that there are, and I think this, this, this ties in a very nice kind of detail, which is, um, I think the ship itself is traditionally 
supposed to be self-piloting, right? Like I think that um I think that the way that it works is it's a little bit like coordinates get entered and the ship kind of self-pilots to that destination. Mm. Cause I think that the crew is um it is like a doctor, a nurse, an anesthesiologist, uh, and then like like two one or two other orderlies. So it's kind of just the med crew and then the ship actually handles getting that crew to other places. Do we have a patient yet? Oh, we gotta have a patient. That's a great th- that's a great pitch. We gotta have a there's gotta be a patient. Um, there is a patient currently in cryosleep is what it is in one of the pods. There is, I guess everybody else is in a pod except you because you were all in pods because you were in hyperspace. So, yeah, you are on your way back from picking up uh, the sole survivor of a shipwreck who was I'm going to go with a captain and I'm going to go with an especially rich captain because mm-hmm. uh, that's great. And, and Otherwise, meeting. we wouldn't be picking them up. would we? Right, exactly. And you wouldn't be going into hyperspace because they are insisting that they go to uh, they go to the double the double platinum deluxe uh, hyper hospitals. Yeah, uh, we are going to I'm just going to run through some names. We are going to go with Dr. Uh, Dr. Martina Long, Nurse Alvin Mulroney. Anesthesiologist Clocks Dern, K L O X. Uh, your fellow orderly, who is the senior orderly, so a little bit above you, just to just to map in a little bit of that, a little bit of that that bureaucracy vibe, is that there is another orderly, but they are a senior orderly. Yeah. Uh, their name is Des Halloran and Captain Aurelius. Aurelius Facade. Ooh, I like him. Captain, uh, Captain of the Facade. It was the family yacht. It was a, it was not an exploratory vessel. Well, it was an exploratory vessel, uh, by, by practice, but not by design. It was a little bit gentleman pirate in that, like, it was, it's, it's very much a rich fuck who decided to just kind of sail around and see what there was to see on the family yacht, which, as it turns out, on account of the yacht was destroyed and all the crew killed, not a great way to, not a great way to see, to, to try and navigate space. Yeah, sort of rich tourists getting stuck up Everest. Exactly. Yep, exactly what it is. And so, uh, for you, my next question is, what is your relationship to the crew, and who is your favorite? I think the Chad, I think he kind of hero-worships them a bit. I think he, like, is sort of honored just to, you know, be allowed to be here. And he thinks, you know, Dr. Martina Long is just, you know, everything that, you know, he aspires to. I'm not sure how accurate his vision of her is, but... He sees her as just this consummate professional, as caring and brave and heroic, and just it's just great to be able to work alongside such absolutely stellar figures. I love that. That's cool as hell. Or that's perfect. That's that is emotionally perfect. Um who in the universe will miss you most if you die? Um I I, I am gonna throw this at you a little bit, but like I want you to tell me I want you to tell me about your you're when you are on planet, like when you are back home, when you are on when you are on Earth 3.7, what is your what is your your one 
weekly uh weekly hobby that you indulge in that that you have a group of people around you like what is your what is your your game night activity i think that i'm in a sort of fantasy football type league only i think it's evolved a bit and the actual fantasy element is a lot bigger than it is now and so the you know the pitches can be anything from lava to living matter to whatever you can think of the players can be any species they can be armed mm-hmm. with whatever you like and you know there isn't I don't know how much it's connected to any real sport being played, but you know, me and the guys who I think of them as friends, I don't really see them outside of the fantasy football league, but mm-hmm. you know, they're the people I probably see the most socially. I think that's mainly who I, you know, see on a regular basis when I'm planet side. I think that that feels perfect. And I think um that is that is exactly who will miss you the most if you die. I think that leaning in a little bit like even if even if you don't necessarily know it i think that uh i think that like the other teams in your league like they uh i like the idea so what i what i picture is that like this league is a lot of people like chaz in that in that like the way you described it is like i don't know if they're my friends but they're the people that i see most socially i i picture that this is a group of people who all kind of have that view and like the it, it means a lot to a lot of people in that very specific way where they don't know if anybody else in that group feels the same way and they might never actively say it like it is a bunch of people that you know all have this deep meaningful attachment to this one little silly thing that they do and they have no idea if anybody else has that same attachment and so i think that like if you especially now as we gear up to enter into the playoffs and you are you are top seed in the playoffs i think everyone in the league like would desperately miss you if you stopped showing up to the game to game day in part because some people like there's one person on the team uh mark wants to desperately just like grind you into the dirt and, you know, several of the players have sort of put you into a hero worship position as you're just really, really good at fantasy football. And so, like, that, like if you stopped showing up, especially now in the playoffs as the top-ranked player, it's going to disrupt the whole league. Oh, I, I'm glad someone's going to miss it. Uh, what is the last thing you dream before you wake? Um, I think just, like... Grass and open skies, I think, which is weird. Chad's never really been in us in the countryside or anything we would recognise as the countryside, but he is just sort of standing in a wide open field, and I think he feels like there's something else in the field coming towards him. But before he can see what it is, he wakes up. And finally, what is the first thing you experience as your cryopod opens? Um, The first thing that you experience is you don't even fully realize that something is wrong because the first thing that you experience is you see what appears to be like an admin, like an ad, like like an admin officer 
in one of these uh in one of these platinum double plus super hospitals they you know and it, and it looks like there's a brief moment where you you think that you're just kind of going through a standard cryopod uh deopening sequence and like they've got a clipboard and you look at them and what happens is you know, you kind of, you kind of, you blink and you, you shake off a little bit of the, a little bit of the, the sleep, you just shake off a little bit of that, like the icy flecks on your cheek that form from the, from the cryo freezing. And as you start to climb out, you see in rapid order, this person age about a thousand years and then disappear outright. Right. Um, do I normally sort of hallucinate or see things when I'm coming out of cryosleep? Is that normal? Actually, um, I am going to go so far as to say, like, extremely no. I think that, um, traditionally, um, there are, there are cases of it, I think we'll say, because I like the ambiguity, but I think that, um... It is the type of thing I think where we are at a tech level, where 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 we are in a story level is that like if that were to happen, it's either that something has something desperately bad has gone bad wrong. You know, like that is an immediate like, hey, I just saw a thing like I got this has got to be like a top level emergency or something absolutely wild is going on. Like it's not at all something that is expected. OK, well, um. I've just woken up. There's clearly something bad going on that is way above my pay grade. Um, I'm going to do what I normally do in that situation and check my phone. Um, Just get out my communicator or whatever the equivalent is and see, are there any ship's bulletins? Are there any messages from the senior crew? Is there anything that tells me what's going on? I think that what I am going, uh, this is great because this allows me to introduce, uh, the major and the minor, uh, obstacle, uh, in game terms, you are going to be struggling with two obstacles that are represented by clocks. Each clock has a number of ticks to it. Uh, there is a major obstacle and there is a minor obstacle. And as you check your phone, um, the thing that you see and, and, you you know that your 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 phone is connected to the larger systems of the is connected to the larger systems of the ship, right? Like you are keyed into like the ship's computer system through your phone. Like it allows you to kind of access the phone's computer or the ship's computer from pretty much wherever you need to to get into. And what you see, uh, what you see, what takes the form of your minor obstacle is a bright blue screen. That says your subscription to Shipcom is expired. Please contact your administrator to enter your re- to enter your payment information. I always suspected that'd be what killed me. Um, <laughs> okay, um, quick world building question: uh, We have faster than light travel. Do we have faster than light communication? I think you've got to right. I think that makes. I think that feels. That feels. That feels good, and I, 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 it feels in line with the with the touchstones that we kind of threw out there. Like part of the, like I, I want, I would want that. Uh, I want the the Martian Apollo thirteen like calls into mission control, and I think that's a good vibe. So I'm going to say yes. Excellent. Um, 
Right, in that case, I think I'm going to just check. Um, am I paid up on my fund subscription? I can't remember. Um, you, so, uh, so you, you actually don't man, you would not ever manage that. Like that is like Shipcom is the ship's community is the ship's computer system. Like that is, that is the type of thing that would be paid by your entire organization. Like, like the entire Nightingale would be would be paid for. So whatever has caused payment to lapse has caused payment to lapse on the entire ship and all subsequent systems, which is uh, an immediate crisis when you are in hyperspace. Right. Okay. So, and that's and it's nice that the company pay for it because obviously chance worked ships where you have to buy your own uniform, but. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna just sort of lean out of my pod and have a look around. The ship is, by all rights, seemingly untouched. You are the only person out of your cryopod. Everyone else looks perfectly serene in their cyst, like in their pods. Everything seems perfectly normal. All of the all of the computers are showing that exact same blue. Uh, payment enter payment entry system everything seems exactly normal but you are alone you are locked out and and i think that as you are looking around as we kind of kick off as we as we as we dive into sort of the 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 peak of the game as you look around um you briefly see someone walk from one door to another Another, like, touristy-looking, like, leisure traveler walk between two doors in a hallway, and you see them walk, and then they blink, and you see them, like, frozen and irradiated floating in space, and then you blink again, and you see them, like, cocktail in hand walk between two doors, your 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 minor obstacle is that your ship is that you are locked out of all systems on your ship and your major obstacle is there are ghosts out of time on your ship hyperspace you have reached a hyperspace point where all of time has folded in on itself right okay um so uh with that i will throw you a question okay how do you those are those are your obstacles that you Chaz are thoroughly unequipped to to handle and I'm thoroughly excited to see you potentially solve both of them. So uh how do you want to engage one of these two obstacles? Oh, uh, right. Well, I I assume that all my flow charts are on my phone, so I can't check to see if they've got a relevant one for space ghosts. I do not believe. Yeah, you're you're you are you are you are lo- you are locked out, and none of your local files include uh, a space ghost flow chart. Right. Well, in that case, I've got to get Des, haven't I? I'm sure he'll know how to deal with this. Um, yeah, I'll go see if I can open Des's cubicle. All right. Um, that sounds like that is going to be a machine check. So when you and so I will walk us through how you are going to uh, roll dice. So when you are taking a, an action, um, what? happens is you've stated your goal which is to unlock Dez's pod it sounds like 
you want to uh it sounds like you, it sounds like that would be machine i think because machine is is operating the ship it is managing systems uh that sounds like that is what we are trying to do would you agree with that yeah i'd agree with that all right so then here is how uh dice rolling works you will collect a number of six-sided dice each of your three stats has a number of ticks in it uh six checks in it when one of your when one of your tracks fills up, you reach a bad ending and something horrible happens. Uh, all of them start at zero. So um, you can, between your other two stats, your body and your mind, you can check off any number of boxes. You can you can tick any number of you can mark any number of ticks to collect a number of six sided dice uh, to roll on your action. If you roll a six, you get a full success. A four to five is a partial success, and a one to three is a failure. So how many dice do you want to roll on this action? Um, well, it's just like pressing open on the touch screen, isn't it? So I don't I think just the one dice will probably be fine, won't it? Alright, so would you like to are you going to uh tick body or brain to make that happen? Um I think brain is probably because it does, it's not really very strenuous. And I think that as that now, and and so what happens is every time we tick one of these boxes, the 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 fatigue and the damage and the stress of your situation starts to unfold. When you tick off a, a, a box of brain, you are exposed to hyperspace and you start to lose your your sense of self. When you tick off body, you are exposed to the hazards of being on a ship hurtling at hyperspace from death point to point. And when you tick off machine, the ship begins to fail around you until it ultimately uh, collapses in on itself. And so I think you go and you go and like you, you go and you start to pull up the codes. You start to unlock Dez's uh, ship. You look around and like suddenly for a brief second, all the lights are on your back in your back in your uh uh you're back at, at at station everything is fine you see people loading boxes around you um and i'm going to ask you as you are docked as as the ship is getting ready to fly as the ship is getting ready to leave what minor moment i i'm going to throw this at you in one of two ways either Somebody did you a casual moment of dis either somebody in a position of authority did you a casual moment of disrespect or somebody in a in a position closer to your own uh casually looked out for you. Tell me about that tell me about that moment. Um I think the I it's just a minor thing, but um clocks uh as he was loading as I was sort of taking some equipment off him to load onto the ambulance. Um, he said, thanks, Charles. Um, my name's not Charles, it's Chad. And we've been shipping together for, you know, years. It's just weird that he keeps getting it wrong. I'm not the sort of person to think someone would, you know, do that deliberately, but it's just weird he keeps getting it wrong. Yeah, it's it's just that sort of like like you didn't actually learn my name. They, like that is the most like you, Chris, have tapped Jeff's most irritating thing, and I uh, I'm squeezing my fist right now to process it. But 
Yeah, and like you see that moment unfold, right? You see you see clocks say that and then walk by you. Um and you're just kind of holding that moment in your head and then suddenly you blink back and you are like uh and hyperspace has started to fold in your own timeline on itself so you are you are going to get lost in you lost in the infinite nature of time if you are in this space for long enough so roll me your 1d6 and we'll describe what happens okay oh i got a six. Oh, fantastic uh on a six uh you suffer no damage you make two ticks on an obstacle clock of your choosing Either the minor obstacle of systems failing or the major obstacle of uh, ghost crisis, um, and then narrate how you succeed. Okay, I mean, I think it's going to be the minor obstacle. The ghosts, that is, like, not my problem. Either I need to talk to one of the medical staff about it, or, you know, theirs will figure something out. But I need to get these screens working, so, uh, yeah, I'm just going to find a workaround to log into the ship's intranet, even if I can't reach the actual hypernet to get some systems working. There's a cryopod override code um, similar to the like vending machine hacks that don't really work because they have to be stood in specific circumstances. Like there's like a code that you can enter that says, hey, open this cryopod now. And I think that like it's one of the things that was kind of drilled into your head Actually, we'll take that a step further and say it's something that Dr. Long, like, specifically drilled into the heads of everyone on the crew, because if there's a crisis, you you need to not be tackling this alone. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, it was one of those moments where she was like, no, no, if there's a crisis, we tackle this together. You you unlock a pod, and you bring people together, and you figure out a solution. And that is exactly what happens. Um, you enter, you enter the code. You've got it memorized in the back of your brain. You you type it in. Dez's pod opens. Uh, he kind of like stumbles out for a moment. He does a lot of the same kind of like flicking off pieces of ice, and immediately is hurtled into a wall. Like the ship, like the ship bucks uh, in just such a way that he flies into a wall and. You can see on his face, furious. Not hurt, furious. Uh, Des, you okay? Why have I been woken up and thrown into a wall by what I can only assume is a ship hurtling through hyperspace? Well, I I mean, there's some stuff going on with ghosts, but mainly uh, the subscriptions lapsed on our hypernet system. Oh, you're having a stroke. Okay, yeah, I guess that's a medical emergency. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that's that's the only explanation for the ghosts bit. Uh, did they not update the payment information? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, that's what it says on the screen. Uh, my login wasn't working. Can you do me a favor? Anything, Des. Throw me into that wall six or seven more times until I pass back out. I would, I would genuinely prefer that. <sighs> uh. I'm going to take a step towards him and then realize that was probably a joke. I think that's the, that's exactly the thing that, that's exactly the thing that he, uh, that Des needed to, to laugh and to like sort of drop the, drop the, the uh, angry coworker bit is like, he sees you step towards and he's like, you know, I trust that you actually would have done it. And that's a little bit fucked up, but I also respect it. Uh, thanks, Des. Don't get used to it. So, 
Uh, yeah, what do we do? Do we just like call in and press update or what? Uh, we got to establish a call with the IT department back home. They're going to try and give us the runaround, but yeah, we got to... We got to call in. There's a separate lot. There's a separate line for uh, what do they call it? IT emergencies. We got to call into the IT emergency line. They're going to try and tell us that this is not an emergency. We got to convince them that this is an emergency. If, if we can find proof that this is somehow an emergency and that we're not just going to wake up in our cryopods, that they can't just update this manually when we get into station. It's a whole thing. It's... And I think like you've been walking and talking towards the the cockpit, and I think as you do that, um, I'm gonna throw an obstacle at you in a very big way. I think as that happens, uh, the cockpit doors open immediately. Like you don't see anybody in the in the sort of cockpit comms station, and then you blink, and there are two there are two space pirates. Uh, real Mad Max looking sci-fi gear. They've got laser rifle. One of them's got a laser rifle and the other one's just got like a proper metal, not even like a sci-fi saber, just like a big honking, ugly looking sword. Uh, appears, starts walking towards you like, back up, back up. We have the ship and we have control. And you blink and, uh... The officer, the the pirate with the rifle is is dead and has been shot in the chest. And you blink again, is pointing the gun at you. And you look over, and the the one the the pirate with the saber is approaching Des. And you blink, and you see um like you see the pirate like scrambling and like typing it at consoles. And you blink again. And the pirate, just in time to hear a scream from Dez, who has a saber in his shoulder. And this is when it becomes apparent that even though you are dealing with the echoes of the infinite time of hyperspace, they can stab you. Okay. Um, first thing we're going to do is shout, Dez, th- this is happening, right? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Yes, I can conf- c- confirm. Yes, thank you for checking in, but yes. Okay, uh, I'm going to hold my hands up, look as small and harmless as I can, which is really, really easy for me, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look at the captain and say, did you try to put the pin in more than three times? The captain blinks once and um is... The captain blinks once and is like the sword, the saber is out of Dez's shoulder, but that nasty looking wound is still there. And there's a moment where the captain is like having a a sword fight with someone and gets like thrown hard into a wall and then blinks and is back at one of the pads and looks over at you. Uh, Yeah, I tried it like like five or six times. Why? And then blinks again and is like, stand down, stand down. Yeah, what's up? Why did, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in. I'm trying again and again. And it's not working. Well, that's only going to be why the hyperspace connection's not working, isn't it? You've gone and locked us all out, haven't you? Blink, you blink and is like leaning over the pirate with the rifle. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I promise you. I promise you we're going to do this. We're going to do this. This is all going to go according to plan. Blinks back. Oh, are you fucking, are you, are you... Is this on ship's comm? Damn it. 
Yeah, I I don't know why they go. I think it's the lowest bidder thing. I'm going to call for a brain roll here to try and like engage the ghost because I think that what is happening is uh to make explicit what you're kind of seeing. Yeah. I think this is I think these ghosts are on a different like these ghosts are on a different ship. This is like a different moment in time that you have kind of intersected with. But I think that like you are kind of in, but like you are kind of like reaching across time to interact with this ghost, which is like possible, but I think is going to require a roll to see if it goes off. Do they, do they just look like people? Are they like shimmery? They appear. So they appear as like people, but like very obviously every time, like they, they keep flitting between like, different moments right like it's very sort of chaos theory dr manhattan sort of like you are seeing all of these like events of different moments in this person's story happening at the same time around you and i think like that is sort of where so there are points where you are seeing them like visibly like their clothes are changing to the moment to reflect different things that have happened to them and so they are they are just like flitting between time is the best way to describe it like they like and it just is all of these individual moments are folding in on themselves to the point where they are all kind of happening simultaneously. Uh, right, I'm going to take the brain roll. So what dice would you like to uh, what 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 boxes are you ticking off from body or machine? Um, I think body because I think the risk here is probably getting stabbed. I, sorry, I rolled the dice prematurely, but it has landed on a five, so... That's totally fine. Um, would you like to roll any additional dice? I think I'm going to stick with the five. All right, that's great. So, um, what happens is, on a, on a five, on a four or five, let me read you what happens. On a four or five, you can mark two ticks on an obstacle clock, but you also mark two ticks on the stat that is used. So you're going to mark two ticks on brain. And I think what happens here is, uh, so tell me how you succeed in, um, what, what, tell me like, like how you succeed. You make a connection with these ghosts and get clarity into, uh, what is happening, but tell me what that looks like. Well, it's just, you know, it, it happens all the time. If I'd known that it was just a pin number lockout at the beginning, I could have solved this back in the cryo room. So I just show the pirate. You just go, forgotten password, then send it back to the admin address. The admin address password is always password anyway. No one ever bothers to change it. And then just press that, that, and that. And you've got your connection back up again. And I think that as as you are doing that, the clarity that you start to get, you see like on the screen, you go and you click uh, forgot password. And like for a moment, you're on the ship comm system and then you are on. Imagine you went from like a Microsoft login screen to like the login screen to like goop or like some kind of like elaborate lifestyle website. So it's all like it's like very you know utilitarian and then turns into like like patterns and color gradients and like the color scheme changes and it takes on like this obnoxiously like royal font 
to the point where like it's a little bit hard to actually read the words because they've chosen one of those fonts that like every letter is so decorated that it becomes difficult to read. But the word that you pick out is that like this is the login screen to the spaceship facade. Ah, uh, that did I see the facade at all when we picked up our you, patient? You, you you did you did briefly see the facade. Um, actually. You are taking some damage to Brain, so I am going to ask you, as you are interacting with this ghost, talk to me about the facade. Talk to me about, like, you boarded the facade, you you pulled off uh, or Captain Aurelius, like, you, you did a sweep to make sure there were no more uh, people. So talk to me about, like, the aesthetic and the vibe and your experiences walking the facade as you suddenly find yourself back there. As if you have just blinked backwards in time. Well, it, it's one of those sort of really tacky things where they've got, you know, way more advanced tech than the ambulance. They've got force fields. They've got realistic gravity. They've got, you know, windows all over the place, even that are, you know, fully reinforced so they're not constantly getting smashed by micrometeors. But despite having the most advanced technology available, they've done it up just to look like a sort of really posh sailing ship from, mm. you know, ancient Earth. Uh, but still, by the time we get there, it's wrecked. Um, it's snapped in half. We had to walk through it in mag boots, all suited up. Um, most of the staff and, you know, Captain... Aurelius's family were just sort of floating around with Aurelius just sort of nice and snug in his little rescue capsule. So when I saw the inside of the facade before to, you know, carry stuff for the other crew, it just looks like a sort of ghost ship just floating in space, dark, ice crystals and everything. Um, I certainly didn't see the user interface because none of the screens were working by then. Uh, but you, but you, you can still like you recognize it in an instance. And as you look around, you are you are right back there. Um, you, as you interact with the this pirate, and I think that like you, what you see is is even a moment, even moment, even tying tying into the success of the action and starting to like understand this this ghost scenario. You kind of start to see. You look around and you see the ship starting to pull apart and you see the ship starting to pull apart because um, like alarms start going off and like self-destruct systems activated. And um, you see this brief moment. You kind of see um, I'm going to give you this moment of you see a brief blink of uh, on a communications channel. Uh, Aurelius sitting at a comm station and this pirate captain sitting like on the, on the, on the communication screen and they are having the chunk, like briefly, like you can't quite make out the words. It's almost like you're listening to a conversation in Simlish or like some other like made up language. You just see them being incredibly chummy with each other, right? Like they're smiling, they're laughing. Uh, Aurelius has a cocktail and then you see, you blink and you see them sword fighting on the actual ship and you see Aurelius run towards a run towards a uh, like a screen, 
and then you see the ship, the the self-destruct systems on the ship activating and tearing the ship asunder. Um, I I don't know how much of a judge Chad would be of this, but you know he's watched movies. Does Aurelius seem like a very good sword fighter? Oh, mm. the 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 what you see from the sword fight is. Someone that has like it's it's fairly obvious, right? I think that what you see is somebody that has taken so has taken uh sword fighting leisure classes, right? Like has taken has like taught sword fighting as like a hobby, fighting somebody who fights with swords because they want to kill someone. And so like no, and so like it's a lot of like there's some flourishes and like like parrying and some like like light kind of fencing and like kind of like holds his own for a second and then gets wet gets just swept right um well i think i probably need to talk to captain aurelius since he's the only person i know here so i'm probably gonna run after him for as long as he's visible um i think that you that you run at him you see him scrambling and so uh, you have two options here, and I'm gonna ask say that you have two options here, and that depends on which of your three abilities you want to roll. You can make a brain roll to try and interact with the version of Aurelius that is uh walk that is like in this moment in time, right? Because you find yourself kind of blinking back and forth between you are on your ship, you are also on the facade, like you find yourself blinking back and forth in time, and you can make a brain roll. To try and like hold yourself in that moment and get some answers from Aurelius. Or you can make a machine roll to try and confront the Aurelius on your ship by unlocking him out of his cryopod. Um, where's Dez at the moment? Dez is leaning on the floor of uh of the Nightingale, big honking, big honking, big honking sword wound uh in his shoulder, like Having lost enough blood that he's sort of just like collapsed onto the floor and is sort of like trying to lift himself up and failing. Okay, I think I just need to get Des back and you know see if Doctor Long can take a look at him because this I don't really want anything to do with this. Des is you know clearly not well, so I think I'm going to leave Aurelius to it and just try and take him back to the cryopods. Okay. Great. Um, so that is going to be a machine roll. So which of your brain or body uh, boxes would you like to tick? Um, I think it's going to be body. And Des is a big fella. So I think I'm going to roll two dice for that. All right. To get him back to the cryos. Yeah, you have to like, and, and as you're running, you're getting thrown into walls and like, you're kind of, you're finding that you kind of have to like jump between things as like, the ship is doing these sorts of big turns and curves as it avoids planets and stars. As it like, as it like moves around things around like the kinds of hazards, like that one tiny little golf ball sized meteorite that would tear the ship into, it's got to like move around it, but it's got to move around it at such a speed that periodically you just find yourself walking on a wall or the ceiling. And it takes a tremendous amount of physical effort, but you do ultimately get there uh, roll me a roll me two d six to see what happens, and you're gonna take your the highest of your the highest of your two results. I got a two and a six. That's so. why you roll multiple dice. 
Yes, it is. Um, do we want to check two boxes off of your minor consequence, which would clear it off, or your um, major consequence? I think we. I think the minor consequences we cleared two off when we made the successful talk to the pirate, didn't we? Yes. So, um, yeah, the minor obstacle is solved. We are connected to. We have our phones working now. So I think that's two on the major obstacle. Okay. This is going a lot better than I expected. I've got to be honest. <laughs> you've got your crew. You've got your crew back together. Um, oh, no, there are four boxes on a minor, so you've still got two boxes left, I think, right? Um, there were, we marked off two when I tried to get Des out of his cryo tube, right. and then two when I talked to the pirate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, you're right. So now we've knocked two off the main jobs. I'm not sure that, what that looks like with space ghosts. but That makes sense. All right. So the minor one is fully cleared and you've checked off two off of your major consequence. Um, what is unfolding is you, you put in, you get to the, you get to Dr. Long, you put in the code. She opens the thing. The first thing that happens is she is thrown into a wall in the exact same style as Des. Uh, and she stands up. You know, holding her head in the same way. There's an emergency crisis, isn't there? I'm afraid so, Doctor. Uh, Orderly Halloran has been hurt. Chad, I know you don't like the guy, but come on. This is all right, but, um, yeah, uh, there there were pirates? I know Um, that you've had disagreements, but, like, stabbing him? Really? No, no, there there were, um, pirates. Ghost pirates. He he found something sharp. Chad, do you see that little glass panel right behind you? I look at the little glass panel. Can you grab me the can you grab me the uh can you grab me the bioscanner out of that panel? Yeah, I grab the bioscanner. And she runs, she kind of like she points it over her own arm, kind of where you would like where you would inject a needle, but it just kind of like blasts a little blue light. And she then looks at it. Okay, so I'm not having a stroke. Am I also standing behind you? I look over my shoulder. You see uh, Dr. Long leaning on a wall and playing on her phone, clearly uh, before docking, clearly before takeoff, like chewing a piece of gum, which is not actually allowed in space because it's it clogs the instruments. Um, so she's chewing a piece of gum. She blows a big bubble. It pops. And then she blinks and she's not there anymore. But like. For a moment, you see what was clearly Dr. Long prior to prior to take off. That's what I was trying to say, that there are space ghosts, but their knives can stab you. Oh, great. Des has been stabbed by a space ghost. I great. wouldn't have woken you up otherwise. I, Chad, you, you made the right call. I want to commend you for that. You took the lessons to heart. You listened. We act as a team together. Chad is enjoying this. this a lot more than maybe he should. I, and I think that she like immediately grabs the first aid kit out of that same glass panel and starts like patching up uh, Dez's injury. Orderly, talk to me about the situation. What are what is unfolding? What are we up against? Okay, well, at first I thought that the phone subscription had lapsed, but it turns out someone had just been trying to put the PIN number in too many times. So I clicked on the forgot password link and managed to use a little workaround. So we have our phones again. We have our phones, also, right. Yes. Also, space-time seems to be collapsing in on itself, and there are 
space ghosts. Um, some of them seem to be from Captain Aurelius's ship. Uh, I think I was on Captain Aurelius's ship, but it wasn't as bust up as before. And the captain was sword fighting. And then I thought, Dez is bleeding out, so I'd better bring him back here. I always appreciated your storytelling capabilities. Um, all right. Here's the situation. And she pauses and she she walks through it. If time is folding in on itself, that means that means that the that the that the that the shields have been breached and that something that something is interfering with the chrono shields that are keeping us safe in hyperspace. Hyperspace is bleeding into the ship, and that we are oh, Fuck, 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 fuckity, fuck, fuck. We're being dragged into hyperspace. We need to figure out what is interfering with the shields, and we need to get it taken care of. Um, Chad is just sort of standing there with his hand up. Yes. Or um, really. This is just, I mean, I don't really get this stuff, but I was just wondering, all of the ghosts that I've seen so far, they seem to be from the past. I was just wondering if all time is caving in on itself why don't we ever see anything from our future she pauses and goes well the thing is is that like time travel is or time it's funny time you know the past sort of happened and then there is it's sort of like one past alternate futures type of situation so you'll see you'll see a billion you know theoretically we could see any number of futures but it's a good point if all of time is collapsing in on itself we really should see you both blink, and uh, there is a, like, in between both of you, like, there's Dr. Long treating Dez and you, in between the both of you, uh, there is Dr. Long and you impaled on a pole. I don't remember that, Dr. Long. I think that's one of those alternate futures. So, can I help? Here's what I need. Here's what I need you to do. Jesus, that pole did a number on us, or is going to do a number. Watch out for poles, first thing. Second thing, um, yes, uh, you can help, you can help, fuck, shit, shittity, shit, shit. Um, yes, here's what you can do. You gotta figure out what is causing this disruption, what is messing with our shields. Something is messing with the shields. If we can, if we can isolate that, neutralize it, deal with it, then we can solve the problem. We just got to figure out what in the hell that could be. And where are these, where are these moments happening from? Where is the disruption point in the timeline? Oh, well, this is brilliant because my phone's working now and I reckon I've probably got a flowchart for shields. So I'm going to look at my shield flowchart. That's going to be a machine roll. Okay. Would you like to check off body or mind and how many dice you want to roll? I think I'm going to check on, I'm going to check off mine, and I'm going to roll two dice. All right, that means you are at five checks of mine, which means you have one left before you lose yourself to the flow of time. Uh, five checks or, oh, sorry, one extra dice. Oh, got so, it, oh, oh, got it, yeah, yeah, so you're at four or three? I think I've got four left. To see yeah, you've you got four checks, so yeah, you're at four checks, yep, you're right. Okay, let's see what happens. Got a five. Yeah, so five is a partial success. So you are going to mark two checks off of your obstacle clock. So we move ah, too yes. closer to clearing off our major obstacle, ah, as yes. well as okay. as well as two checks of damage on machine. 
Um, and I think I know exactly what happens is we are closing in on clearing out the, we are closing in on clearing out the major obstacle and also, uh, your boxes are starting to get filled up. I know exactly what, uh, what causes machine. What happens here is you do have a flow chart for shield disruption. Shield disruption is traditionally caused by out of ship contraband brought on board, which causes a wavelength disruption with the hyperspace shields. Hyperspace shield disruption is a major issue, and therefore contraband is banned on all Theseus conglomerate uh, class vessels. You read this, so um, love Theseus conglomerate as a ship right? makers company, by the way. Right? Yeah. They, you, you read that and like, um, so yeah, what is unfolding here is that something, something somewhere is causing a disruption. What is causing machine damage is you blink and you see a pirate, you, you blink and you see Aurelius tapping on a keypad and in the way that these ghosts, even though they are out of time and space, like seem to be able to interact with things on your ship. Ship self-destruct enabled. Self-destruct protocols are in progress. Please enter executive level overrides to override. Otherwise, have a nice day. Uh, Dr. Long? Yeah, I heard. Do, do you have an executive level override? No, that's more of an IT situation. Kind of a call into IT Is level des- emergency. Uh, okay, um... I'm going to call IT support then. All right. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and, and do that? Yep. Is that, is that a roll or I'm just going to call in and yeah. You hear that it is going to be, let's say 30 minutes. Let's like self-destruct activated in 30 minutes. You enter that you enter the numbers into uh, the system. It says, um, yeah, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you get through immediately. I was originally gonna have it be that it was gonna take you 35 minutes to stay, like have you on hold for 35 minutes. But I think it's I think it's more fun. I've got I've got a this this puts this puts more of an impetus if we go. You call in IT, and uh, like a chipper a chipper IT prof- uh, professional calls in like Theseus conglomerate IT. Uh, you've contacted the emergency line. Can you state your IT emergency? I need a just a quick self-destruct override, really. Self-destruct override. Um, yes. Can you provide your login information? Just your 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 name and keycard info. Um, my username is admin, and my password is password. We really recommend you change your password um, to a, a one with higher security. You know, we give you that we give you that one as sort of an introductory password, but you know, we do recommend that you change it for security purposes. We want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm going to change it as soon as I get off the call. Don't worry. Great, great, great. I'm going to go ahead and enter in that uh, self-destruct uh, override for you. Just let me. Uh, um, well, okay, uh, 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 admin. Um, here's the issue that we are facing. Um, are you in hyperspace right now? Um, uh, yeah, we're, we're a little bit in hyperspace, yeah. Okay, yeah, see, there's going to be a problem. Um, we actually can't remote into your, uh, into your console without shutting off hyperspace. Um, can you go ahead and, uh, shut off the hyperspace controls and then we should be able to enter in and hit in that override? Let me just check that very quickly. Um, 
can I access hyperspace controls from here, or do we have to get to the cockpit? I think you got to get to the cockpit. Okay, I'm going to head to the cockpit. All right, we're going to go ahead and put you on hold while you do that. Um, go ahead and just uh, give us a call back when you've got that disabled. We'll be able to remote into your sh- uh, machine and shut off that self-destruct. All right, bye. Okay, um, yeah, going to run to the cockpit. Um, you get to the cockpit, and as you walk through, you see in your cockpit Aurelius standing with a with a saber pointed towards you. This wasn't supposed to go this way. This we had a we had a plan. We had an agreement, you and I. This wasn't supposed to go this way. Yeah, mate, I'm 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 sorry, and I've had a change of heart and decided to just go along with whatever it is you want to do. And um you blink uh you blink again and Aurelius is like on his knees pleading with you, very pleading with you. You can't do this. You can't do this. That is, you can't, I, I, I understand. I know, I know, like just rework the shields or do something. You can't, it's, it's, it's important to me. I need it. You really can't. And blinks back with the saber by, by the sword of my family. I will strike you down. If you don't, if you don't honor the terms of the agreement that we laid out. And these are the terms of the agreement about something that interferes with the shields, potentially, right? Back, blink, back, blink, back on his knees. Um, the thing is, when he's on his knees, you see the flecks of uh, of cryo ice on his face, and he's wearing a space, uh, a space, uh, what do you call it? It's a smock? That's not the right term. Apron? Yeah, one of those things that hang open. Yeah, he's wearing one of those, and he's got the cryo ice on his face, like very obviously, like a patient. And he's like, "I, I, I understand, but like my, you know, that is, that is a, that is a space platinum card. It is very, very, it is very, very rare. They don't make them. It is, it is important to me, and I need to keep it." And he blinks back. We had a deal. You were going to stage a raid. Oh no, everything goes bad. We had a deal. We were going to abscond. You and I were both going to make a lot of money. I don't see why we can't stick to that very lucrative arrangement. And this is a lot of money because of the platinum card, which is a thing I know what it is. Um, I am going to, I think like, I think as he is, he is inching towards you with a saber. You blink again. He's back on his knees. My entire, my family's entire finances are on that card. If you throw it into space, we lose, we lose everything. Do you want to curse an entire family to nothingness just for, for what, for, for what? Name me one reason and then blinks back just in time as he now is like, he is now running at you with the saber. What do you do? I am going to, I'm going to try blinking. That seems to work. Fucking that is yes. Okay, that's great. I love that. That's so good. Um that's going to be a brain roll. So which of your body or machine boxes would you like to take off for dice? Um I think it's fairly clear where that sword is going if I get this wrong. So uh yeah, I think that's going to be body. All right. How many dice do you want to roll? Let's say 2. I'm feeling lucky. Okay. But not that lucky. All right. Okay, gonna roll now. Oh, I got a six. Yes, great. I'm so happy. 
Uh, and that's going to mark off our major consequence. Uh, and that is going to wrap our minor and major consequence, which means that we have arrived at the end of our, our game, which is perfect. You blink is uh, you blink. I'm going to say like you step back, you close your eyes extra tight. You open them is lying in front of you with his neck snapped in his in his uh, in his patient apron laying like laying there, his neck snapped in front of you. See the self-destruct clock is blinking. Ah. What do you do? Right, um take us out of hyperspace first. You uh you do enter in you do enter in the admin codes, you pull your you pull the ship out of hyperspace. Um and as you do that, like as you do that, like he kind of dissolves, right? Like he the 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 next snap version. Um you see the pirate that like the pirate uh with the rifle that had been stabbed it blinks out of like all of the ghosts around you kind of blink out of existence as the as the 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 hyperspace radiation that is blasting your ship kind of like starts to subside and so like you get the 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 countdown clock uh you're able to call into IT they go ahead and all right let me just go ahead and enter that in um, we seriously, again, you should really recommend changing your password, but, um, all right, that override is entered. Uh, the self-destruct is disabled. So, um, you know, if you have any other issues, go ahead. Um, we, uh, we do have an option if you'd like to take a survey after this call, just to let us know how we did, if a good job, would you like to opt into that? Um, next time, next time, honestly. Understood. Understood. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Just before the call ends, asshole. Excellent. Uh, and 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 as a like um so what do you, what what how, what do you do to like fully wrap up the situation in front of you? Um. Okay. Well, the platinum card is obviously the thing that's interfering with the shield somehow. Although it might be the captain's bubble gum. Now I come to think of it. To be on the safe side, we've got to throw the bubble gum and the platinum card off the ship. Uh, the only thing is, Warren, do do we have to get Captain Aurelius out and make him? you know, beg on his knees for the card back so that I find out about the card so that I can figure out how to do it? No, you already have that information. Um, you do have to get him out of cryo to get the card from him. Um, you collected his belongings when he when he locked in. You registered them in the computer system. Um, but the platinum card and also the bubble gum, because that is one of those amazing details that I desperately need to keep, uh, need to keep, uh, I need to make, make relevant. Um, the bubble gum and the platinum card, um, both weren't in the list of, uh, weren't in the list of like materials that you logged. And if it had you logged either of them, like an alert would have gone off like this, this kind of, uh, this kind of platinum is known to disrupt hyperspace shields, particularly those built by, built, uh, those used by the Theseus conglomerate. Like, so, like, he, you didn't register them because he didn't hand them over, and, like, you, by all rights, did not know that he had them. He seems to still be hiding it, uh, in his cryopod. Okay, um, well, yeah, I'll wake him up and get the Patman card and tell Dr. Long that I need her bubblegum. You wake him up. Um, there is a scene, there is a scene where he begs on his knees because like, if you don't have the card, you can't access the funds. His entire family's fortune is on that card. Yeah, it all seems very familiar. 
It does. Um, he at one point, um, at one point grabs like some of the collateral damage of flying through the hyperspace. He grabs, uh, he grabs a big, a big metal pole and runs at you and Dr. Long and Dez jumps in and like snaps his neck and you throw the card out into space. Dr. Long reluctantly hands over her bubble gum. She, she, she like grumbling like, man, motherfucking really like that gum. Um, you cast the gum out into space, you get back. And so I'm going to ask you, what is your, what is the final thing that, what is the final epilogue we see from your character? Um, I think that. You know, it's been it's been quite a busy day, but I reckon the the final scene has got to be the ship finally coming into port, and ultimately it's all just a day at work. I think Chad, you know, steps out of his overalls, puts on his civvy clothes, and walks off to the fantasy football league final. I love it, and I think that um, I think that as you step off the ship, your phone buzzes that says like trade deadline closed and you the 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 final note of horror is realizing one of one of your players is injured and you did not have time to swap them off of your bench but you're able to get to the final you go your friends all see you they raise a glass to you uh your rival whose name is bennington bennington kind of like sees that as like well somebody thought they were too good to trade a player off their bench we'll see how that plays out tonight good to see you buddy yeah no it's you know, I think he's he's a bit salty about it. He's a bit like, guys, you know I have work and the reception's terrible in hyperspace. But, yeah, I think he's just ready for what is probably going to be a very respectable defeat. Uh, and with that, that is game. This was great. This was so much fun. That was so much fun. And so much less fatal than I thought. I, I thought, a lot less. I really thought this was. I thought it was going to end uh, pretty badly, but you maintained control of the situation, and uh, the dice it, kept coming up absurdly well. The dice came up well. You maintained control of the situation. Uh, could not have gone better for you. Yeah, uh, Chad is a good guy to have in a crisis. Apparently, uh, that was great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and playing this game with me. This was so much fun. Yeah, no, that was an absolute hoot. So, real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you and your work online? Well, uh, I'm always knocking around Twitter at the Brain of Chris, and you can find Fermi's Progress at Amazon and at Scarlet Ferret, which is an indie ebook seller that also has special bonus extras with its ebooks. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing the show. This was such an absolute pleasure. And for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up the show. Take a future me. Thanks, Bass Me. And thanks to Chris for coming on the show. That game was amazing. Like, that was such a cool, interesting, wonderful game. It went in so many directions I didn't expect. I was just, I was thrilled from beginning to end. Thank you so much for that. I had so much fun with that game. Be sure to head to chrisfarnell.com for more information about all of Chris's work, including the Fermi's Progress series, and be sure to head to read-hb.itch.io for more information about the long, dark space between the stars, or check the show notes for all of that information, and be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at TheBrainOfChris. 
Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. Join our Discord community at bit.ly slash Party of One Discord. Follow us on Tumblr at partyofonepod.tumblr.com. And follow us on TikTok at Party of One Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a nice iTunes review or a Spotify review or a Podchaser review. All of the services have review functions. It's just a nice way to help the show. Uh, you can also support the show financially at patreon.com slash Party of One Podcast or ko-fi.com slash Party of One Podcast. Or you can tell a friend about the show. You can email us a nice compliment if you enjoyed the episode. You know, just do a nice thing. It would make me happy. You can also head to bit.ly slash Party of One merch and pick up a Party of One t-shirt or a Champ and Crowbar Love Each Other t-shirt. You know, they're just neat things to own. If after doing all of that, you find yourself thinking, gosh, I wish I had two more great podcasts to listen to, I have got you covered. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the One Shot Podcast Network, where my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take a listener-submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character and populate a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every week-ish at oneshotpodcast.com. And Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast is an actual play about a heartless witch, a cozy home, and all of the many people making their lives inside. You can find more information about that at tinyurl.com slash podcast. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. Music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran, featuring the D&D Sluggers, and the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, coming on to the show as a guest, or about press coverage of the show, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And... I believe, unless I am mistaken, that's all we do here. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. 